Have you ever heard of Mad Honey? Mad is it like a narc? Is it a is it a hallucinogen? It is. Ah, it just sounds like it. I can imagine some Sherpa out there, and he kind of he's he has his hand in like a like a like a clay of honey, like Winnie the Pooh, and he's like <laughs> eating it. It's like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Why Do I Know This? I'm Logan. I'm Jonathan. And today we're joined with a special guest. Ashton, would you like to introduce yourself? Didn't you just... Okay, yeah. I'm Ashton, as previously reported. Um, What do I need to say about myself to introduce myself to people? Uh, You know... Yeah, we didn't think this through, but we kind of thought you were a naturally interesting person and thought you would be able to kind of draft a bio of yourself on the spot oh boy well i guess i'm deceiving because i'm not that interesting but i'm ashton davis i'm friends with logan and jonathan because we we um met each other in quebec as missionaries um yeah do you um do you remember the first time we met each other oh yeah yeah what was it? I don't remember Quebec's- the first time. I don't remember the first time we've met each other, but uh, maybe you do. I just remember it was Zone Conference with Elder Hamilton, and and Jonathan had hyped up your your smile a lot. Oh, that's right. My and so I think my smile. first my first uh, first time I met you. I think one of the first things I mentioned was your smile, or like Jonathan mm-hmm. and I were making side comments to each other, like "Wow, yeah." I still have that I still have that same smile. I had to take a couple of headshots for my um my university paper thingy and I still can't smile on command. It's like very very awkward for me even though when I don't feel all that awkward doing it. I just have this you second embarrassment. De- you should develop the French smile where it's just like no teeth it's just like uh you know that's and like a incredibly <laughs> A stoic smile, but I, I know what you mean, though. Okay, well, we today our episode is about bees, and the reason why we invited you, Ashton, is that I heard a rumor that's been confirmed by yourself that you were a former beekeeper. Yeah. Can you conf- so you confirm that is a true it's, rumor? I'm, I'm conf- confirming it on air. I um I have a lot of questions about the beekeeping occupation. I I went to bed pretty late last night and I was thinking at I was staying up at night and wondering to myself, what does a actual what does a beekeeper do? Because we know the imagery of the beekeeper. They have those little boxes with all those bees and they wear that suit that kind of looks like a hazmat suit. But like what is the eventual goal of a beekeeper? What do they do? What do they want to get out of it? They, well, they want to get paid, and and the two ways to get paid is obviously by honey, which is something I mean everyone knows. It's like I work for a place called Olson Honey Farms, and so you think you know honey is the biggest thing, and then yeah, the there's lots of money in honey, but we made more money off of pollination fees than we did off of actual honey production, meaning farmers are like, hey, your bees are really good for my plants. Please put your bees in my plants so that they grow better. And, okay. and so that's where a lot of the money is from. So how do you compel bees to pollinate? Or you just well, kind of let them get, go? It, yeah, you just let them go. They don't get food unless they go to plants and, and, and suck up sugars. And they happen okay. while they're on the way. They collect pollen and they, they bring it to their next place, which is good for plants. Okay. So as a beekeeper, how many units of bees would you... I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's millions of bees, of course, but how many like cabinetfuls of bees would you keep in charge of on a typical shift or something like that? Um, it depends on the day and how far apart they were, but um, we have what are called like yards. Mm-hmm. And a yard, it, sometimes a yard is just like an abandoned field or an abandoned lot where there are a bunch of blackberries. Sometimes it's like a pollination yard. But there could be anywhere from like 45, like 48 hives up to 
200 or 300 hives. And, and like a hive is just like one of the boxes, one of the vertical boxes. Okay. Will you be the only beekeeper of the company or there a whole team of beekeepers? Whole team. So that's, there's a lot of bees to be had here. Yeah. A good hive, a good hive has upwards of, you know, 60 plus thousand bees in it. So oh, lots of bees. Yeah. That's incredible amount of bees. Did you ever feel like you had a personal relationship with any of the bees or collection of bees? Or they're just all like, you're all the flipping same. You're all yellow and black and kind of cute up close. True. Just like, I don't know, I guess it was just a general connection with bees in general. Because mm-hmm. I think they get such a bad stigma. It's like, ew, bees. They make honey, which is cool, but they sting you, which hurts. Yeah, which is, I mean, that I think that segues onto our next part is, even though this show is called Why Do I Know This? And it's kind of implied that we know useless information. I, I, I do know that bees are actually incredibly important animals. And it would really disrupt the earth if all the bees died. Um, you can kind of learn that from yep. the, the, the third act of the bee movie. <laughs> um, this, this, I think, honestly, that's one of Jerry Seinfeld's best works. Really? Is it better than Seinfeld itself? Oh, yeah. Have you seen Seinfeld? Um, you know, I've watched a couple episodes and I liked the movie more. Really? But I have, I have much more of a personal attachment to, to the B-movie. Did you watch B-movie as a beekeeper and you kind of felt like, I understand that bee? I don't know if I've watched it since I became a beekeeper. It was just kind of like, it was kind of a funny meme. And all of a sudden I was a beekeeper and I was like, sick. that's not day one of orientation the whole team gets together and they're like this is essential knowledge that you need to know about bees movie night (laughs) i've i've had the song here comes the sun stuck in my head and that's because we were while we were talking about bees all week there i remember there was a montage scene where all the bees like systematically (laughs) repollinate the earth and there was a cover of of um, Here Comes the Sun by like Alanis Morissette or something like that. It was a very nice cover. But I've been thinking about that song all, all the time right now. It's a very pretty song. And I automatically will think about bees whenever I think about that song. Oh, well, I mean, Jonathan, did you do at least a little bit of research on bees? Because I definitely did not. I thought like Jonathan was going to blow us apart with all the I am our, our resident um, unnecessary fact machine. So I have a full sheet of things that you need to know about bees. Well, let's start with the basics. Let's imagine we don't know anything about these fuzzy boys. Well, I am I am where to start off. So there are over 16,000 known species of bees around the world, and bees are in every single con- continent except for Antarctica. So, so bees are everywhere that there are flowers. They're one of the main pollinators that go around and they're they're very important um, to the ecosystem, to pollination. Um but are bees in Antarctica? That's have that's one question that came immediately to me. There are there are no bees in Antarctica. Okay, but that makes Shoot. me wonder: Are there bees in the Arctic Circle? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, um, that may be very well possible. Who knows? But but one of their main roles is pollination, and I have a a few things that you might not know about pollination. I wanna I wanna see if our resident bee expert Ashton knows about these facts very well might not all right did you know that bees can sense the electric fields of flowers no so it's it's a really interesting mechanism that bees um, just by flying around and doing things they they get a positive charge and flowers have a negative charge so when a bee goes and it takes the nectar and the pollen from a flower there's there's less pollen to be spread and bees can actually sense the difference in that charge when a bee has visited a flower, so they don't unnecessarily visit flowers. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So There's also certain flowers. What? The bee is a guitar. It's an electric <laughs> guitar, right? Yeah, yeah. Get, get ready for the, the physics of pollinating today, because that's what I've oh, got to research no. on. <laughs> Did you research that? Did you really research that? I wouldn't um, hold it against you. There, there's one more thing that I want to mention that's really cool about that. But, but yeah, they can sense the electric charge. There's actually flowers that change colors after bees have visited them so that bees know to, to not go to those flowers. So they're efficient. You know, it's like 
it's symbiotic. The bees help the flowers out. The flowers help the bees out. Like they're like, okay, like I don't have any more pollen. You don't have to waste any time here. Huh. That's very efficient. And bees are very efficient workers, right? Well, actually um, bees, bees sleep, I think somewhere between like five to eight hours a day. They take naps on the job. They sleep in flowers. I don't know if you've ever seen that Ashton. But just like imagine how much flying a bee does and how small they are. And they're like going at pretty rapid distances. I feel like they had to take at least a couple breaks, right? To quote the bee movie, um, physics says that a bee is far too big to fly. But bees say that they don't care about physics and fly anyways. Oh, That's a, that's a paraphrase. Do you know what the, the heartbeat of a bee is? I don't know how you would measure that. Because I know that... I think the animal with the fastest heartbeat is the hummingbird. And the, and the, and the heartbeat's like 10,000 times per second or something like that. Incredible. Wow. And I mean, if anybody needs a nap, I think it's the hummingbirds that deserve it because they are so fast in beating. And yeah. Did you just look up the heart rate, Ashton, of a bee? Yeah, it, it, um, I don't, it's not really saying anything. It, instead, it's telling me, that a bee can it beats its wings around 200 times per second mm-hmm. so so 12,000 beats per minute in for the uh, wings when they're flying yeah but um they don't really have just i think it's because they're insects they don't really have a heart <laughs> what i don't know well i don't know i don't know what to talk about these are heartless <laughs> The the heart rate of a bee is actually an imaginary number. It's not real. It's there's no yeah. yeah. It's, it's I. It's a square root of negative one. It's a letter as well. So it's a it's either a, an imaginary number or a number that's very specific and it's actually a letter like the number e. Basically. Yeah. Listeners, I know yeah, all, so, five, all five. All so five listeners. <laughs> Unlike in mammals, honeybees and insects have an open circulatory system, meaning their blood is not contained. So it's like what I meant to say is just like the way it flows is a lot different. The the, the heart's kind of different because they're not mammals. So I, uh, I said something. I I probably should have been a little bit more cognizant of the anatomy of insects. It's not like I haven't learned about them since third grade. Oh, come on, Logan. Jonathan, anything more about the bee? Anything? Well, you said you had a whole sheet full of bee stuff. And I trust you. Jonathan's on mute too, so he's just kind of... Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I didn't realize. But yeah, so actually what Ashton was talking about, about how fast their, their wings beat... There's a special mechanism that they actually utilize that for called buzz pollination. So BuzzFeed? <laughs> unfortunately not. This one this one is productive and useful. Oof. Yeah, but does any, it have nice BuzzFeed food? fans listening to this podcast? Uh disclaimer, uh this is a, a comedy slash informatic podcast and our opinions are meant to be taken uh with a grain of salt. But buzz pollination, it, actually, there's only certain types of bees that can do it. So honeybees aren't able to buzz pollinate. But basically, the way the buzz pollination works is that certain flowers, uh, you know, you think of like an open flower when you see the bee documentaries, they have like the nice long petals, all their pollen and nectars on the surface, and the bee goes, gets all the pollen around it, drinks some nectar and goes off. Um, but certain plants... Um, specifically really important plants that this applies to are like tomatoes, potatoes, and blueberries are some of them. Um, they well, don't have their pollen on the surface, but it's actually held within like a, a pocket and that pocket will only open or eject pollen when a certain frequency is applied to the flower. What, what kind of fre- like sound frequencies or like an electric frequency or... Yeah, so so a sound frequency or like a vibration. Um, so you can actually do it with a tuning fork. There's also electric ways to do this. Um, but what uh, bees do is they attach their legs to these pods 
and they use their wings and their muscles to vibrate their entire body at a certain frequency that resonates with the flower, causing it to eject pollen. And you can, you can observe this with like a tuning fork or something. Um, but flowers do this actually to sort of ration their pollen. Um, I think they, they eject their pollen in about like 20% bursts. So they can do like five bursts. And only certain types of bees are able to do this. So honeybees can't do this. And the reason why this is important is because a lot of the times in the movement for like save the bees, what people are, what like scientists and like ecologists want is they want natural, like native species of bees are being overrun. Um, there's no real, like there's a lot of honeybees, um, but honeybees actually aren't native to North America. They came from Europe and they're not able to pollinate certain plants that honeybees and other, other types of native, and that um, bumblebees and other types of native species are able to. So, so yeah, they, they attach themselves to the flower, they vibrate really fast and that ejects pollen. And it's really important to the ecosystem because only they can do it. I, I'm, I am blown away for two reasons. One is that you you displayed your impeccable research skills once again. Two is that uh, I'm, I think bees would make very good musicians because they literally feel the music. <laughs> and um, I mean, you ever wonder what it would be like to be another animal for just like a, an hour or so? What would it be like to be a bee? Yeah, what would it be like to be a bee? Because I don't, it's like some animals, they're able to see like 100% more colors than we can. What would that be like? The bees can literally feel the music. They have like um, symprognosia, whatever, the, the ability to hear certain senses, ability to smell certain senses. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like bees have that, but kind of on cocaine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they see, I'm pretty sure they see different frequencies of light as well. Um, yeah. they, they're a lot more in tune with pheromones. It's how they communicate a lot of the time. So I, th I think it'd be really cool to see how that's used for communication. Do you think if you, if you turned into a bee, would you turn into a bee with like the innate sense of how to be a bee? Like you go into a bee's mind and like, you know how all this stuff works or are you just like thrown into it? And now you, there's just all these things that you have to process and you just don't well, know. Well, I mean, bees, bees don't really learn. It's like bees are generally born with the innate sense to do most things. So I would assume you'd, you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is the way it works. Because if I remember right, one of the like, bees, they have to learn, like they learn how to do bee work. <laughs> so they learn how to, to build the hives and make honey. But yeah. the rest of it is like, like they don't, pheromones are completely natural. It's like they smell that the queen is giving off this scent. And so instinctively and automatically they start doing it. That's why like when beekeepers, they go with the smoke, a big part of it is to cover up the pheromones mm -hmm. because the bees can't pick up like, Oh, we have bees that have stung other bees, but I can't, they don't pick it up because there's enough smoke in the air. Mm -hmm. So I would, I feel like, I feel like you'd pick it up pretty easily. Yeah. Bees actually, bees actually are capable of learning. There, there was an experiment done where they had, um, basically they had these little discs with sugar water on it attached to a string. And when a bee would pull the string, other bees would be observing. And the bee would pull the string, they'd figure it out to get sugar water. I think it was like over 70% of the bees who were placed into that chamber after learned that that was the appropriate thing to do to get food, to pull the string. Yeah. Well, it's just like, like bees have to, like bees learn how to do a lot of the bee things. Like the build a hive, there's not like a bee is born innately knowing how to do it. It's the older bees teach the, the little baby boys, yeah. the baby girls, I guess. So it's kind of cool. So is it, was that like a BF Skinner experiment that he did on bees? <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to find the study. I'd have to pull it up. But if you press this button, you'll get sugar, you'll get honey. <laughs> what do bees eat? What do they consume? Honey. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I thought they produce honey, but I didn't know if they like you know. But isn't, isn't honey. honey bee vomit? Kind of. Yeah, bees have two stomachs. Oh. So they, yeah. If I 
I, I really, I, I haven't done beekeeping in about in two years, so I'm not an expert by any means, but I remember right, bees have two stomachs. And so one of the stomach is, is for eating. And the other one is they take the pollen and they put it in the other stomach and the stomach kind of digests it. And then they vomit it out and that's honey. Wow. Wow. So Still bees, two less stomachs than cows. So do bees like digest pollen or do, do they eat honey? Do they eat pollen and honey? They eat honey. Right. And then where does the honey go? In the hives. And like in the, in the little hexagon things. The little okay, so this, so they, they, they consume the honey and then they go back into the hives? And then they, they, they vomit it up in, in the... And then they have the honey the again? Honey. or Well, they store it for winter when they're not as active. Mm. Okay. All right. Smart. So... Are they, they hibernate? Do bees hibernate? No, but they're significantly less active mm-hmm. in the winter. Flowers outside and so, yeah. So actually a really cool thing is in the winter, the, the bees basically winterize themselves, but um, there are the hive needs to stay around 95 degrees Fahrenheit in the hive. And a lot of the there will be bees and basically their assigned labor for the winter is to move around enough to keep the hive at an appropriate temperature. Mm-hmm. I was reading about that too. It's 33 degrees Celsius for any of our Canadian listeners. Um, yeah, but they, they warm up the hive by flexing their muscles or if it gets too hot, they like vent it by fanning their wings. I feel like if bees were much bigger than they are now, they would probably easily rule the world. Just body bodybuilding bees. I muscles warming up the hive. Yeah, I never thought I'd ever be jealous of becoming a bee, but I really <laughs> want to be a bee now. <laughs> yeah, bees be pretty. Bee. Bees are kind of cool. Why be peak man when you can be peak bee? Or just be an average bee are already better than you know Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Ashton, actually, I have a question for you as a resident beekeeper. Okay. Were you ever told not to eat bananas on your job? Never. Never. Okay, that's interesting because I was reading um, that sometimes beekeepers are discouraged from eating bananas because it releases the same pheromones that bees use to alert about attackers. Hmm. So it's called it's called isoamyl acetate, and apparently, like if you squash too many bees or a hive's aggressive. Sometimes it'll smell like bananas or like the really like, like fake, you know, like the banana candy that you get from those 25 cent machines. Uh-huh. So uh, apparently that like, if you, if you eat too much bananas and they can smell that, it can cause them to become aggressive or agitated. Yeah. That makes sense. It's a, it's, if you want to, if you want to like smell a hive, you can you can tell when it's angry because it's got a nice fruity scent. Hmm. Was so, that something you learned on the job, or something they told you? That was something I learned beforehand. Actually, were you ever? Did you ever run into incidences with the bees? Did you ever offend them? Get stung? <laughs> did I get stung? Is that your question? <laughs> I don't know. There could be things worse than getting stung. The question is how many times? Oh, there's definitely things worse than getting stung. It's. I just think, I think generally beekeepers, their favorite question to get is like, oh, you keep bees? Do you ever get a sting? It's just like, what do you think? <laughs> so um, I think it's not the fact that you get stung. It's sometimes you get stung in uncomfortable places. So I've been stung on the lip. I've been stung on the ear. I've been stung like on my chest and stuff. And like the face is, the face is bad. The face sucks to get stung on. So like mm-hmm. if you get stung, for example, on the lip, the side of your lip where you got stung will double in size within like 30 minutes. Wow. And so like you feel ridiculous cause you've got this massive, massive half lip, but the other lip is just normal. And so you look kind of silly and it's pretty painful. That's a Kylie Jenner challenge. I find it, I find it interesting that, that you mentioned that getting stung in the face hurts the most because I was reading and I found out that there was a study done by a graduate student at Cornell University 
which started actually because he was wearing loose pants and this is going to get a little PG 13 rated. Um, but he was wearing loose pants and he got stuck, stung on the testicles. Oh, but he he didn't experience that much pain and it made him really curious. So over the next 40 days or something, he sung himself about five times a day, um, to sort of map out where the most painful places to get stung on the body were. And the face was the most painful. Um, I think like it had specific parts as well. So I think it talked about like the nostril, the lip, um, the, the shaft of the penis, I think was third. (laughs) Well, you know, those are very, those nerve, those nerve areas are very sensitive. So I assume it'd be very painful. But I just want to, I just want to know what, what encouraged this graduate student to to sting himself so much. I I wonder if he was, he kind of had a thing for it. Did he... So he published a report, or this is just kind of like a side hobby that was doing. No, he he published a paper on it. Oh my gosh! So grant money paid for this tax <laughs> taxpayer dollars paid for this kid to sting himself in the other region. You figure out where it is. That is a which great is, argument for libertarianism. <laughs> which, is, which is funny because you talk to a beekeeper and a beekeeper who's done it long enough, they'll be like, "Yeah, I've been stung virtually any place." It's like, you name a place I've been stung there at some point in my however long year career. And so one of my bosses, as like when I first, when we were first talking about getting stung, we were places like, have you ever been stung? Like in the nether region, he's like, oh yeah, one time I was at this yard and I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And so I went and sure enough, a bee got in there and it was really bad. <laughs> Did you ever get stung in the feet? No, I always had pretty good boots, but okay. it was never a problem. I would imagine it'd be kind of annoying if you got stung uh, on one of your foot's feet, sorry, and you had to walk around with that that bee sting. That'd be kind of a, not painful, but at least pretty annoying. Yeah, like getting stung in the hands is really annoying because it, it your dexterity is not as good. Mm-hmm. But you get used to it. I've only been stung by a bee once. I did not know that it stung me until like 10 minutes after the fact. And I was on the swing at my grandma's house. And I don't think I was 10 years old. And I started feeling this really sharp, but not really overwhelming pain on my shoulder blade. It was, it was, it was an acute sharp pain. And I was kind of confused and I didn't know how to react. And it stung like a couple more times. And it's like, it doesn't hurt that much, but I feel like I should cry right now. So I started crying and I went to my grandma's house and say, um, this really hurts. And I don't know where it came from. And my grandma looked at it like, oh, you got, you got stung by a bee. I thought that was, that's what it's like to get stung by a bee. It's like, you know, it's very anticlimactic to get Mm -hmm. stung by a bee. And, um, and then, you know, she rubbed baking soda all over my shoulder and apparently that, that did make it feel a bit better. I don't know what it was about baking powder. It's supposed to extract out the venom. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I get what you're talking about. Like, I feel like the fear of being stung for me is so much worse than actually being stung because like when I get stung out of nowhere, I'm like, Oh, like that hurts, but like, it's not really that bad. But when I'm when there's like bees around me, I'm like, oh man, like frick, I don't want to get stung. Have you gotten stung by a bee? I have. And was it the same experience? You just were confused about the pain? Uh actually one of the first times that it happened when I was in like grade six or something, I was like walking home and I just looked and there was like a stinger in my hand, and I was like, Oh, I guess it got stung. I didn't even notice. It didn't even hurt? I, th- I think it like it hurt, but that's that's when I looked at it. I was like, oh, I, I didn't know how long ago I was stung before that, but I was like, there was a stinger in my hand. Yeah. So essentially, getting stung by a bee is like getting your first kiss from a girl. Underwhelming. <laughs> it, it depends. Definitely. Analogy of the century. Yeah. It, it depends. Ashton, have you had incredibly memorable bee stings? they're just like more sensitive spots and and sometimes bees are 
I don't know what it is, but they just sting you more aggressively. And so there are times where it's obviously like, oh, hey, I got stung. And there are other times where it's just like, frick, my hand. And so I just like, depends on the sting. Do you get desensitized to bee stings to an extent? Yeah, you get like your body adapts to the venom. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the the pain of the actual sting, I mean, it stays generally the same but it's your body reacts better to venom the more you have, like the more you get stung. And so if I were to go back and be keep now, I would have none of that immunity because it's been two years. But at mm-hmm. the end of like a season where I got stung a lot, I, it's like, it's not a, I don't swell up really yeah. unless this year stays in for a long time. That's kind of like, mm-hmm. that's like a superpower. Yeah. Is there a bee superhero? Bee man? There should be. B-boy? B-boy. I guess there's... From what we learned today about bees and their incredible anatomy, they would probably be the best superhero out there. (laughs) Except for the fact that they die when they sting. That's That's, true. That's kind of a a bummer. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe just queen bee. I feel like it, it's pretty common Actually, knowledge that, that bees die when they, when they sting, except did you know that bees only die when they sting thicker skinned like mammals or like humans that like bees can like sting other insects all the time and they don't die because their stinger doesn't get stuck? Oh, yeah. And actually an, an interesting thing too is the, so obviously the, the drones the male bees, they don't sting because male bees are super lame. But <laughs> Are you going to finish that? Yeah, I feel oh. like the cadence of your voice is like rising. You know, when, when you end every sentence with a question? I'm back. I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh. So, um, I got kicked out. You got kicked? No, you didn't. Well, I had to rejoin the meeting. Oh, okay. I mean, you were you were always here with us. Yeah. All good. Um, male drone bees are dumb, and I'm assuming that female bees are not dumb. They're cool, right? The the male bee is. I I would describe the male bee as what men think feminists think of men. <laughs> where it's like like the male bee does literally nothing except inseminate eggs L- literally nothing else they don't they can't sting they don't protect the hives they don't nurture the 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 babies they just they just hang out so the the female bees the women bees do all the all the work then literally all of it the queen bee lays the eggs that wow. become the worker bees that do everything Literally yeah. everything. And all the worker so the, bees are, are women too. All of them. So wow. the male bees are on hive welfare. Basically, yeah. This they is where we get to the political... They eat the honey of the working class. <clears throat> this is where we get very political. <laughs> Take a turn, you know. How is the bee a good representation of communism? <laughs> Only bees have implemented communism perfectly. <laughs> Well, do you want to talk about bee politics? <laughs> Tell me about bee politics. I didn't know you could research bee politics. So, bees actually can work democratically. Okay. So, when a beehive becomes too full, bees will form like a mini senate comprised of older, more experienced bees to seek out a new location. And whenever a bee finds a new spot, they begin dancing to motion other bees towards it. And then if they all agree, they all start dancing together until consensus is reached on where they're going to build the new nest. I'm just incredibly jealous of bees, not only because of their bodies, but their apparent political acumen. I, yeah. I feel like I'm not the only one who's seen like the, those cartoons when you were a kid that like explained bee dances. Am I the only one? You I, don't what, I don't know. Maybe, what it's it's Maybe it's the Canadian curriculum. They also teach you about bee politics too. 
Uh, they don't, unfortunately. But they do show wow. us videos of bees wiggling their butts and stepping around in the hives like they're doing a tango. Yeah. I'm imagining a bee, a bee lobbyist who's, <laughs> who's, a, who's representing a specific part of the, specific part of the, the hive. And he comes and says, hey there, I got this really nice spot that you can come to. And in terms of, in terms of what I will give you, I'll give you all this honey that I vomited. And the queen bee is like, hmm, I like that idea. Let me talk to my senatorial bee underlings about this. And then they get to hear, and they're like, no, that lobbyist bee actually supports gun rights. So <laughs> so I think we need more youthful bee representation in the Senate as well. I don't think it should just be the older, experienced, you know, dated bees. That should be yeah. able to pick out the new high spot. Like I think the younger bee should have a say as well. It's gerontocracy. I think it's it's funny that we we think of the queen bee and we're like, okay, this is like the queen. This is the top of sort of the hierarchy of bees. But if you were to take a human and to put them into the role of a queen bee, I think we'd view it very differently. So what's the what's the Homo sapiens equivalent? So basically what happens with, with the queen bee is there's a number of female bees that are selected and they all fight to the death until there's one queen bee who's left and they can either be accepted or rejected by the hive. If they're rejected, the hive just like kills them. But if they're accepted, basically what they do is all that they do is reproduce. So they fight to the death to be the one person that just pops out babies all the time. So if we had a queen and we took her female daughters and made them all fight to the death. And then all that they did to the day that they died was reproduce and they couldn't do anything else. I don't, I don't know if that would be sort of the same connotation that we think of when we think of Queens. I'm getting some very strong handmaiden tail vibes here. Handmaiden tail. What's that? The handmaiden's tail. It's a well, right now. It's a very popular TV show on Hulu, but it was a book from a Canadian author named Margaret Atwood. And the book, I think, it's about a future society where women are like pretty much their sole purpose is to have children and be raped by like the the patriarchy. Um, uh-huh. I haven't actually seen it. It's a very well, re- very critically acclaimed TV show and book. So are but, you, uh, are you like, still looking to to become a bee? Or are you still jealous of them? Well, I mean, I'm a lame male bee, so I won't. You want to be a, a welfare bee who who reproduces for a living? Yeah, I want to be a hand me down bee. <laughs> wait, wait, Ashton, do the male bees come with all the superpowers as the female bees as well, or they're just dumb? Um, rather than having a stinger, they have a penis. Oh, um, okay, and they can fly, but not as well. Um. It's kind of like a knockoff bee where it's where it's like i mean it's a it's a bee yeah but it's it's, it's like being a triple a AAA baseball player or playing in the g league as opposed to the nba it's like yeah you're a bee but you're definitely the knockoff lamer version okay i see this all right a, so i think i'd rather be a female bee yeah oh yeah this is, this is an off-base topic but instead of having a singer than a penis i was I was very impressed at the at the size ratio <laughs> that male bees have. Okay, keep it as clean as you can, Jonathan. You're treading on some thin wire here. It's basically the size of their entire body. Okay, that's all we need to know about that. We that's all we well, need to know. On a similar note, the stinger, the stinger comprises. Like, oh, I don't remember the exact proportion, but the stinger provides a very large proportion of the female bee's body. So it kind of makes sense. Is the entire, like, back part just filled with venom? Um, no. I don't think so. This diagram makes it look like a no. I don't think so. Matt, is it like a narc... Is it a, is it a hallucinogen? It is. Ah, it just sounds like it. I can imagine some Sherpa out there, and he kind of he's he has his hand in like a like a like a clay of honey, like Winnie the Pooh, 
And he's like eating it. He's like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> starts drifting around. Yeah. So because of the climate in Nepal, um, it really emphasizes the growth of a certain flower called rhododendron plants. Um, that have a Even rhododendron gro- sounds like a pharmaceutical pill. Yeah, yeah. This is reeks of alcohol. This is reeks of drugs, right, to me. Yeah, yeah. But the, the process by which they get it is amazing because basically because there's so many of these flowers in the region, bees, they pollinate almost exclusively them and they create really potent honey because, you know, they, they just vomit up what they eat. And they have these beehives on cliffs. So what people do is they, they climb onto cliff sides to hunt for this honey because they don't farm it. They have, to, they have to go gather it from cliff sides. And this honey is psychoactive. It's actually a neurotoxin. And it's used as a recreational drug, but also as a poison. It can cause paralysis or like acid trips. So do you microdose mad honey or you... You can't, you can't Winnie the Pooh this thing, right? No, no, you definitely have to microdose it. Okay. So if Winnie the Pooh was on Mad Honey, he'd be dead. Yes, 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 he would. And that's historically, kind of, actually, it's been, it's been used sort of as a trap. I forget, I was reading the story. There's a general who, I think it was against Roman soldiers. They left out large pots of this honey so that the soldiers would eat the honey. And they came, them when they, they came and killed them when they were all having a huge acid trip. That is literally a honey trap. And then if we go a bit farther south in Africa, um, elephants can be a problem for raising crops. So they actually put beehives around their crops. They call them like a bee fence, I think. Yeah. To protect their crops from, from elephants. And you think about it like an elephant, like why would it be concerned about a bee? It has a really thick hide. But the bees go and like sting their eyes and stuff so the elephants stay away. Oh, those poor elephants. Also, African honeybees are a lot more aggressive, and their venom's a lot more, a lot more intense. Yeah. How they, do the like, How do the farmers make a bee fence then if they're so aggressive? Um, they probably deal with them less, and as well, the the smokers they use in Africa, like with African honeybees, are like three or four times the size of a smoker we'd use here in this in in North America. Wow. So it's like. For us, what we do is we like open up a single hive and we put some smoke into the hive enough that it kind of dulls their ability to cure the anger one in case one of them does sting, but it's not like bad for them. But in, in, they'll just like pump up and fill, get as much smoke in the air as possible. Yeah. Because they're, they're there, just significantly more aggressive. Is there, a, is there a bullet ant equivalent for a bee? It, it would be African honeybees. Because okay. they will like, they'll they'll they will kill kill things, mm-hmm. um, because they'll like sting it to the point where you pass out, and they'll just keep going back and sting you until you until you die. So Whoa. if you got if you got stung by African honey, uh, African wild bee or honey, African honey bee, if you got stung by African honeybee, you're 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 toast, right? Well, not necessarily. Um, but if you get stung by one, how it works is when the bee stings you, pheromones are released on you. And so they smell like another bee stung this, this is a threat. And, and, and you're more likely to get stung by more. And Mm -hmm. then it's when you get stung by lots of bees that, um, it's, and because they're more aggressive, they're more willing to sting. Then that's when that could be a problem. Oh, that banana pheromone. Yeah. Wow. Do monkeys get stung a lot then? I guess there was no answer to that. Our, our resident <laughs> monkey expert, Ashton Davis. <laughs> Is that because I'm the most similar to a monkey? No, no. I was just because there are monkeys in Africa and they like to eat bananas. So do bees like to go for monkey? Uh, do bees like to go for monkeys? I've heard nothing of the sort. Okay. I think there could be a correlation. We could look into that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Jonathan, do you have any pop culture facts about bees? Um, I actually, I only have a few. They um, aren't bee movie related? They aren't bee movie related. Okay. We're good. But we're going to end up talking about bee movie for 20 minutes anyway. I feel like one of you would know this, but do you know what character in Harry Potter was named after a bee? I know Melinda's a, a name related to bees. 
but I don't know any Melinda, and so I don't know. Is there a Beatrice in a in a in? Is there a Beatrice in Harry Potter? It sounds very like witch-like. I bet there is. Okay, yeah. but what's the name? What's the what's the B person? His name is Dumbledore. Dumbledore? Dumbledore is a B? Dumbledore is actually Old English for Bumblebee. Oh, oh wow. That's kind of cute, actually. I like that. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular reason why? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember if there's a reason why, but J.K. Rowling confirmed it on Twitter that that was the inspiration for the name. Did he also say this? Did she also say in the same tweet that Dumbledore is gay? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, no. Is she confirmed that Dumbledore was gay? I know. Yeah. I mean, people don't like her for that because she just like makes up, makes up all these identities for characters without, you know, having any proof of it. But uh. I mean, she's the author. Yeah. Well, hey, that was not a controversial statement. Come on. I just said, I just said the facts. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did somebody fact check that? Could she also just like, I think Dumbledore means Bumblebee in Old English. No, no, no. no. That, that, is, that is true. That was fact checked. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Mm. There's also several celebrities who own large bee farms. Is Fifty Cent? Really? Um, I don't know about Fifty Cent. I can I can try and find some if we want to cut out some some post editing. Some, do some post editing here. But um, who are the bees that? Who are the celebrities that you do know own bee farms? One sec. Let me pull them up. Morgan Freeman has an 124 acre sanctuary. To protect honeybees. Really? Yeah. What a wise man. He cares about his bees. I think there is also somebody from Flea. Flea? The yeah, the bassist. The bassist for- yeah, Flea, Flea, the bassist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, has over 200,000 bees in his backyard, which he calls Flea's Bees. You know, 200,000 bees sounds like a lot, but that could be as few as like three or four hives. Yeah, yeah, three or four hives. That's reasonable. I feel like we could all own 200,000 bees. Yeah, easily. It's just kind of funny because it sounds so intimidating, like 200,000 bees. And it's it's like six boxes. How much would 200,000 bees cost? Do you know the, the bee rates? They sell bees by the pound generally, but I'm not sure. By the pound, I can buy a pound of bees. Apparently. So, how much does a pound of bees cost where you are in Oregon? I'm not sure. I actually found that out in my research. Oh, really? Nobody would buy bees from your work? Apparently not. Well, on the subject of buying bees, did you know that over 30 billion bees are shipped to California each year to pollinate almond trees? And uh, my, the, the, the honey farm I worked for was a big part of that. They sent down it. Most of, a lot of the money made was sending beehives down to California. Imagine being the guy who drives 30 billion bees around. That's pretty nerve-wracking. I mean, you get paid pretty well for it. Like, for some of those, those places down in California, they'd be putting down hundreds of hives on, on these, like, these fields. And the pollination fee would be upwards of $300 a hive. Wow. Literally to, to put bees down and to make sure that the hives weren't dying. $300 a, a hive. That's impressive. Nobody comes and picks these bees up after they're done for the season. It's like, they, they're I, like yeah. uh, the, bee, the beekeepers do <laughs> take them back to Oregon for the, for the spring and summer. Yeah. Bees are just migrant workers. Every day of life is a John Steinbeck novel. Yeah, apparently they get they get transported around the states after that too. There's just like this huge bee train where they go and they instead of having like local bee populations pollinate everything because we have such huge amounts of agriculture, we need to bring in the bee army. I'm gonna take the bee line here. That was a pun. Laugh, please. (laughs) (laughs) 
You can always edit in laughs later. <laughs> do a laugh track. Yeah, and I'll 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 do a very <laughs> canned laughter laugh track here. <laughs> it's gotta be a or maybe some like buzzing bees. That'd be more fitting. It's like I've got the bee line. <laughs> ah. Well, I know we've talked about some buzzing topics today, but you won't believe oh, who sponsored okay. this episode. A free Chrome extension, honey, can save you money today. Honey, I have mixed feelings about honey. <laughs> Do tell. Uh, honey's our sponsor. You're not allowed to have mixed feelings about them. Uh. Here's here's my thought about Honey, is that all the products that I feel like the discounts Honey provides are products I don't really want. So I'm kind of like stuck there. I don't want to buy Jordans with Honey because I'm not really interested in them. So yeah, that's my review of Honey. It's It's a free Chrome extension, so why not get it? Honey, if you're listening to this, uh, we are open to sponsorship. <laughs> we love you, honey. Jonathan, do you know why we call our significant others honey? I don't. Do you? No, I don't. I Maybe was hoping because you'd it's, something, Probably. it's something sweet. Probably. But honey is also sticky and kind of hard to clean up, so. Whoa. Actually, honey is really easy water really well isn't honey like honey is very well preserved you can like eat honey that's a thousand years old and it won't go bad because it has no water in it i'm sorry i did for a second i I got kicked out but they found honey in i think it was king tut's coon and so this was like three four thousand year old honey and it was still good because honey doesn't spoil and did the archaeologists take a dip I don't know. I don't know how it they turn, did it. I just it turn, honey doesn't spoil. It turns out that it was actually mad honey, and they all went crazy on an acid trip, and that's why people. That's why people think mummies are cursed because it was actually just the mad honey talking. Mm, dang it. Apparently, yeah. the the use of honey as a term of endearment can be traced back to the 14th century. By what country? It does not say. Uh, but I'm assuming it's because honey was something that was sweet when generally the food that they were eating was probably pretty bland. Oh. Hmm. You know, like in, in the teachings of Christianity, when they talk about milk and honey, those are things that are associated with nobility, royalty, because they're very desirable. So calling somebody honey, maybe maybe I could call my wife milk back then too. <laughs> I've, I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> I have hey, tried. Milk. Wrong. <laughs> hey, milk! I'm home. I didn't even think about that. That was great. I I would not be opposed to naming a daughter Miel, like the French word for honey. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's kind of. I really like the sound of Miel, but it's masculine. Miel, le Miel. Le Miel. You you have to call your your son Miel. Uh, I don't know if I can name my son Miel. Why your son's not sweet like honey? You know what? Just yeah, he could be. Logan, Logan, just spell it with an extra le at the end, and all of a sudden it's feminine. True. Yeah, that was that was thinking. Miel. Wow. Lune de miel, honeymoon. Wow. Okay. I I know the listeners can't see my face right now, but I feel like I I got blasted with a lot of things about bees today. Um, because bees are incredible animals, and I I feel like I have to like pay them reparations now, and just like, um, just like what? Just like in Bee Movie, everything you have that has honey in it, give them back to the bees. Yeah, that's also political commentary. There, we won't go there. Um, wow, I think. We can call that a wrap. I don't know anything else we could say about bees. Okay. Jonathan, what is your one fact? Okay. I hope it's not sexual. 
And it's not. But did you know that bees can fly higher than 29,525 feet above sea level, which is higher than Mount Everest? I feel like you're lying there. Are you kidding that's, me? That's a real fact. There are some airplanes that can't even fly that high. You're telling me a bee can do that? Bees are incredible. Superheroes. Ah, yeah. Superheroes. If you want to be a, if you want to dress up as a superhero for Halloween, get your local bee costume. We have a lot of bee envy in this chat group right now. We should contact Marvel. Get them to make a, a bee-less superhero. A bee-less? This is a superhero that nobody cares about. He's <laughs> actually a bee. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the crappy sidekick to Ant-Man. There's like Ant-Man and is it Wasp? I don't remember. Oh yeah, there is Wasp. Yo, that's also a commentary. There, there's Wasp. Uh, hold up. Wasp. Wasp. <laughs> Then, then there's Wasp garbage sidekick named the honeybee who's just like kind of happy. Or he'd be the bumblebee. He's just kind of happy, cheers everyone up, but is kind of just like does utilitarian work. They're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the villains come and he's like, oh man, this doesn't look good and just flies away slowly. <laughs> I'm Ant-Man. I'm the Wasp. I'm B-Boy. <laughs> It has to be B-Girl, because otherwise it'd be even worse. It'd just be like, I'm B-Boy. <laughs> it's like, I'm B-Boy. I don't do anything. I like watching TV. I serve almost no practical purpose, but get rid of me, and there would be no reproduction, so take that. You can't kick me out. <laughs> um, he's the guy that we all want out of our workplace. Gosh, man. Dude, Dan the Bee is so lazy. But HR can't fire him because he produces more bees. <laughs> there you have it. That's it. This is Why Do I Know This? A show where we learn about everything, about nothing important. But hey, I think it's said important. today, they're, they're incredibly important. Um, I could have lived my life without, without bee envy, which I suddenly have now. Um, but yeah, I'm happy I have bee envy and that all I want for Christmas is to be a bee, a female bee specifically. And yeah, I feel enlightened. This is a whole new step of my life. Everything I do, I want to do it after, what would a bee do in this situation? <laughs> you know, what is the hive mentality? <laughs> yeah, what is the hive mentality? Did you know that 90% of all bees are solitary and don't work in a hive or colony? More facts. Oh, man. Everything you thought you knew about bees is a lie that's, made by corporate America to sell you a, a bee propaganda. That's bees in general. It's not, it, honey bees are very social. Yes. All right. <laughs> Well, just to preview for our next episode, I got a friend to be on the show for this next week, and she has picked a topic. Can you guess what it is, Jonathan or Ashton? Who's the, who's the guest? Uh, the guest is somebody I knew in high school I went to college with. Her name is Sarah, who is going to Europe for her master's degree in economics. So she's very smart and knowledgeable about everything. Are you going to talk about your insecurities? No, we're going to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about green screens. Green screens? Actually? Yeah, yeah. Are you ready for green how, screen how are talk? We to, how how was I supposed to guess that? <laughs> I don't know why you said my insecurities. I don't know what I implied there. I'm not insecure. You're insecure. I was going to say we're going to talk about being uncomfortable. Mr. Goatier, why'd you do this to me? Ah! Uh, uh. <laughs> you and your master's degree in Paris. Yeah! Columbia, actually. But, uh, awesome. Oh. Columbia University in New York. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't intend on this episode to end so darkly. We'll probably edit this out. Yeah. Please don't. Let's make, let's make a real ending here. Well... Thank you, everybody, for teaching me so much about bees and giving me bee envy. Next week, our episode will be 
about green screens. My friend Sarah Meredith will be joining me and Jonathan on the wonderful technology that has made special effects what it is today. Fun fact, did you know that B-Movie was all was actually filmed on a green screen? Jeff Jerry Seinfeld dressed up as a bee, and so did everybody else, and it was in front of a He did screen. all of his stunts. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a true fact. You don't need to fact check that. Anyway, this is Why Do I Know This? And goodbye. Why Do I Know This? is hosted and produced by Jonathan LeMay and Logan Burton. The theme song is Dr. Greatest Ad Parnassum from Claude Debussy's Coin des Enfants. For any questions and comments, please send them to our email at whydoiknowthispodcast at gmail.com.